In the name of the risen one, amen. They left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. Have you ever heard of a Christmas and Easter Christian? I never myself called someone than that, but I've had a number of folks self-identify to me, neighbors, friends of friends, when they learn that I'm a priest and they'll ask about the church where I work. And when they hear the enthusiasm about my, in my voice about Holy Communion as a congregation, and especially if they get a hint that I might invite them to join us sometimes, that's when I'll hear it. I'm really sort of a Christmas and Easter kind of person. Someday I'm gonna remember myself in one of those moments and I'm gonna say, me too. Because honestly, I love Christmas and Easter. I love the pageantry. I love seeing a packed church. I love the special vestments, the spectacular music, the extra trumpets and tubas, all of it. I love Christmas and Easter. And so today feels like a letdown. I'll say for the past several years, we've put on a really good show at Holy Communion. We've done Easter joy justice. And this morning, as I stand in my living room, knowing that the lights are off up at the church, not knowing who is watching and listening, I'm missing the trumpets. I love Easter. And this doesn't feel like any Easter I've known. But as I read the gospel for this morning, the description of Mary Magdalene and the other women who have gone to anoint Jesus' body, of the emotions that they're balancing when they find the stone rolled away, that description caught me. They left the tomb with fear and great joy. The great joy I've always known. I've always associated Easter with great joy. This is the first Easter I've had to really think about the fear. All of us know about fear these days. We know fear is large and small. Will we run out of toilet paper? There's a small kind of fear. Then there's a whole other category of fear. My parents were in New Zealand when the virus started shutting everything down. And they didn't listen to their children when we asked them to just rent a nice little beach cottage and hunker down for a while. They came home, they got on planes, and a little over a week later, they both came down with fevers. I tried to keep my, the fear out of my voice when we talked on the phone. My parents are relatively healthy, but they're over 65. And we had no way of knowing if they had the virus. The tests were too scarce. Thankfully, my parents' fevers passed. They're healthy. Our family was lucky. I know several families in the congregation who have not been so lucky. Folks have lost cousins, aunts, good friends. We don't know if it is safe. We don't know if it's safe to go to the grocery store, to walk down the street. Business owners are losing more than revenue. Folks are losing jobs they loved, dreams for which they worked. The loss right now is real. The fear is real. These days have found me anxious. I'm having trouble staying asleep at night. And I'm a relatively emotionally stable person. The constant news isn't helpful. We don't know enough. We're waiting for the science to catch up. And we get conflicting reports about how to act. And that is an emotionally difficult place. On this Easter morning, I'm having difficulty navigating the emotions. And I know folks who fight for stable emotions in the best of times are having a really difficult time these days. And I just want to name that. And if you are there, know that two of Jesus' most trusted disciples, 
both named Mary, including Mary Magdalene, the first apostle, they were there with you. That early morning when those two brave women went to claim Jesus' body, when they went at no small risk to give him a proper burial, they too were scared. Even when they're told not to be afraid, the fear is still there. But it's mixed with joy. Emotions aren't easy. I found it a little surprising, honestly, when I reread this Easter story and I saw the word fear so many times. Up until this year, I'd not known an Easter where fear was part of the equation. Not having known an Easter where fear was part of the story has a name. It's this, privilege. I said a few weeks ago, this virus is being called the great equalizer because no one is immune. But as the infections have spread, we've realized great equalizer is a misnomer. The virus is instead becoming a great revealer. The virus is revealing disparities in access to healthcare. The virus is revealing disparities in income and security. This virus is revealing a whole set of systems in our society that are broken. Every single person who has died of COVID-19 in the city of St. Louis has been African-American, every single one. In New York City, now the world's epicenter of infections, the disparities are just as clear. People of color, Black and Latino are dying at unconscionably high rates. And there's no quick fix to this disparity. The outcomes were set in motion years ago, generations ago, because for too long, health has been tied to wealth in this country and wealth has been hoarded and defended. A buddy of mine from college had a creative response. He got in his car on Good Friday Mark Adams and I went to school together in San Diego. We were conversation partners in a Spanish class designed for non-native speakers and spent the whole semester having broken conversations centered on random vocabulary words. Mark made that class fun. We laughed a lot as he came up with silly things to tell me about zapatos, shoes, or albondigas, meatballs. Mark still lives in San Diego. And on Good Friday, he took a drive with this huge Bluetooth speaker. See, Mark had heard that at the Otay Mesa Immigration Detention Center, where undocumented folks are being held in overcrowded conditions, there have been more than a dozen confirmed cases of COVID-19. Mark couldn't gather a group to go protest, so he took his big speaker, parked outside the detention center, and rolled down a window and he blasted the old spiritual into the fences. Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt land. Tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. Mark posted a video of the escapade on Instagram and watching it filled me with fear because who knows what federal code he was violating there outside of an immigration detention center. His video filled me with fear because my friend who happens to be black could be detained even just for violating California's stay-at-home order. And at the same time, his action filled me with joy. Joy because Mark found a creative way to make his voice heard. Joy because in the music of the Fisk Jubilee singers, truth was being proclaimed in the face of injustice. The preacher William Sloan Coffin once said, the world is too dangerous for anything less than truth 
and too small for anything less than love. In the days ahead, we're going to need to be creative to make sure that the truth is heard. Maybe this virus has uncomforted something for you. Maybe it has unveiled something for you. Maybe you have seen clearly the loveless and inhumane way our government treats immigrants and prisoners. Maybe you have glimpsed in our cleaner skies and rivers the possibility for our planet if we actually cut back on carbon emissions and pollution. Maybe you've understood clearly the need to guarantee healthcare for all, for the sake of all our health. Or you've understood the need to ensure that the wealthiest nation the world has ever known leaves no one behind. Whatever this virus has uncovered for you, I hope you face the days ahead with great joy and with a little bit of healthy fear. Healthy fear because a lot is at stake. Easter is an invitation to do more than simply survive. More than just your survival is at stake in the days ahead. As we begin to imagine what coming back looks like as a city, as a country, as a planet, we have to think about more than survival. We have to do more than return to the status quo. And Christians don't proclaim that Jesus survived the crucifixion. And the distinction is important. Jesus didn't simply survive. Jesus wasn't a heroic strongman who withstood the cross. Easter isn't a, that kind of celebration. It's not a celebration of a common kind of victory. We say Jesus' weakness is what gives this story its meaning. Jesus lost. The death-dealing power he faced was real. Death is always part of the story. Fear is always part of the story. The suffering was real. The death was real. We can afford nothing less than the whole truth. And we proclaim Jesus conquered death. Jesus overcame death. The resurrection is more than survival. It's God's judgment. New life, fuller life, reconciled life comes on the other side of fear. I say I hope you face the days ahead with some healthy fear because working for lasting change won't be easy. Figuring out how to fight for democratic change, figuring out how democracy will stay functioning, stay democracy won't be easy. If you're nervous, I think you're right to be. There is challenging work ahead to assure we have a chance for something better than survival but I hope you face the days ahead with some healthy measure of joy as well, because we have a chance at new life. The truth is the first Easter didn't come with trumpets and fresh cut lilies and timpanies. The first Easter wasn't proclaimed in packed churches with loud organs. The first Easter was a confusing mess, but that is our faith. Our faith is a mix of emotions, a faith of simultaneous fear and great joy. Easter comes with both, this year and every year. Because every time we proclaim, Alleluia, Christ is risen, we defiantly announce a joyful and frightening message. God has undone the sinful powers that estrange us from one another. God has come back to untie us 
untie us from our death-dealing ways. God has set us free for joy. God has set us free for a new life, for a new way of life. God has set us free to love one another and to take that love public by treating one another with justice. I love our Christmas and Easter faith. I love our faith that is full enough, wise enough, complete enough to know that joy often comes alongside fear. New life comes in and through the dark. I have faith, friends, that we will meet again. In the hopeful words of the prophet this morning, we will return. We will stand together again in our sanctuary. We will hear that long-promised organ in person. We will break bread together, and I will stand behind the altar and say, it is right and good and joyful always and everywhere to give you thanks and praise. I have faith we will stand together again. I have faith we will face this moment and bring new life. Because with those faithful women, with fear and great joy, I believe, Christ has already overcome the powers of death. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia.